didn't want to come, and I don't want to be here. <clears throat> I'm the son of an Atlanta City police officer. Uh, <clears throat> my cousin is an Atlanta City police officer, and my other cousin East Point police officer. And I got a lot of love and respect for police officers, down to the original eight police officers in Atlanta that even after becoming police had to dress in a YMCA. Here we are 80 years later. I watched a white officer assassinate a black man. And I know that tore your heart out. And I know it's crippling. And I have nothing positive to say in this moment. Because I don't want to be here. But I'm responsible to be here because it wasn't just Dr. King and people dressed nicely who marched and protested to progress this city and so many other cities. It was people like my grandmother, people like my aunts and uncles who were members of SCLC and NAACP, and in particular, Reverend James Orange, Mrs. Alice Johnson, and Reverend Love, who we just lost last year. So I'm duty-bound to be here to simply say that it is your duty not to burn your own house down for anger with an anger with an anger. Hey guys, this is Chuma again, and you are listening to The Silent Doc. Follow me on Instagram at The Silent Doc. Like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it. So I hope you appreciated the heartfelt words of American rapper, songwriter, and activist Killer Mike, because I fully echo his sentiment. Being in the hospital the last few days has been difficult. Random people asking, hey, how are you doing? Or how are you feeling? How are you processing all of this? And honestly, I really haven't wanted to talk about it. And I contemplated not even talking about it here. Like, I have a story about the ails of personal protective equipment during COVID. Another about end-of-life care and how difficult it is in this era. I even have plans to bring on an actual economist to talk about how COVID-19 is reshaping both our economy at large and specifically in the hospital. But I just can't ignore what's happening. The purpose of this podcast was one, to be relevant, and two, to give a different perspective on what was going on in the world. I felt like when COVID-19 hit, there was so much speculation and emotion-filled hype that you couldn't even get to the truth of what was going on. All that to say, I will get back to telling stories about COVID-19 and healthcare workers in general, I promise. But discussing the death of George Floyd and our nation's response to it feels to me to be like one of the most relevant things that I can actually touch on right now. And I think I may have a different perspective than others in this matter. Let me explain. But in order to do that, I have to take you back to 2015. I have to take you all the way back to Baltimore. I'm sure many remember the riots in Baltimore at this time. But what led up to them? Why was there so much outrage in the city at that time? A name you're probably familiar with is Freddie Gray, a man who died in police custody after a quote-unquote rough ride. But he wasn't the only unarmed black man who had died while in police custody around that time. 
there was another name, another man, whose death fueled the anger in Baltimore at the time. And his name was Tyrone West. And I watched him die. Well, I guess I am telling a story after all. It's July 2013 and I have just graduated from the University of Maryland College Park. And I'm living with my parents in Baltimore City. It was late in the afternoon, just before sunset. I was sitting in my backyard talking to a friend, Victor, about life, grad school, girls, when I heard a crazed and frantic sound coming from the street. Help! Help me! Somebody help me! Anybody! I was scared, but I had to figure out at least what was happening. So before I could even hang up, I ran down the alleyway. Immediately I saw two cop cars stopped in the middle of the street, and next, a heavy-set, dark-skinned black man with thick dreads and a long white t-shirt waving his hands frantically and moving aimlessly in the street. And then two men in dark uniforms attempting to apprehend him. His screams still echo in my head. He was quickly wrestled to the ground. But before I knew it, more police cars arrived almost instantaneously. More men in dark uniforms emptied out of their cars to apprehend the man. Initially, my mind couldn't understand what I was seeing. The men in dark uniforms weren't just apprehending him, they were punching, kicking, and stomping him. I tried to take my phone out. At least if my mind could not retell the story, then my phone would. But I was scared, and I could barely find the, the video record button on my phone because my hands were trembling. At this point, there were six cop cars, around 10 men in all, apprehending the man, with fists, boots, and batons. When I finally got my cell phone camera out, they were already behind a brown pickup truck across the street, and all hopes for video at that point were gone. In all the videos you see of citizens online catching officers assaulting unarmed black men, you never think about the man behind the camera. But now, I was him, and I had failed. This apprehension went on for 10 minutes. The police had already created a human wall around the scene, so any hopes of recording what we saw were moot at that point. I say we because there was a small crowd of onlookers staring now. People came out of their houses to a cacophony of screaming, sirens, and agony. Once the men in dark uniforms had him effectively subdued, their identities became more clear. They were wearing police uniforms, some Baltimore City Police Department and others from Morgan State University. According to others in the crowd, the man had been pulled over by police at a stop sign. He was on parole. They had ordered him and his girlfriend to sit on the curb, but something had happened. They kept repeating he was dirty and he had disobeyed an officer by getting up and off the curb. Next, he was maced, running down the street wildly, flailing his hands everywhere, and before you knew it, he was face down underneath almost a dozen cops after being punched, kicked, and crushed, and he wasn't moving. Despite his stillness, an officer was sitting on his legs, which were folded up like a pretzel, one on top of the other, with his stomach pressed into the ground and wrists cuffed to his back. Was he moving? Is he breathing? It seemed the whole crowd at once started to realize, hey, come on officer, let him up. Hey, stop that. 
He ain't no threat no more, officer. Come on. But they didn't listen. More officers arrived, and we were told to move further back. Other officers whose eyes were also affected by the pepper spray were showered with milk. Faces red, watery eyes, and coughing heavily. And all the while, this nameless black man laid there, face down, stomach pressed into the dirt, legs folded one into the other, until the officer relented, uncuffed one arm, and we watched it lifelessly fall by his side. The cop who was sitting on his legs lit up as well, and we watched his legs do the same. He didn't stir. That's when we heard it. A man yelled, he's dead. He's dead, you've killed him. One cop near the man desperately tried to lift him up, but he wouldn't move. More cries started, look what you did. He's not breathing, you killed him, you killed him. They attempted CPR for some period of time, but soon relented. After 20 minutes or so passed, and finally, an ambulance arrived. But sirens never rang. The paramedics wheeled the gurney to his lifeless body, and they quickly came to the same conclusion we did. They didn't perform any compressions while they were there. No intubation, no oxygen was given. They just placed them on the gurney, handcuffed them, and took them away in silence. By this time, it was dark, and there were a few local news stations and reporters around asking questions. I was in shock but I told them what I could. Days later, the state's attorney's office released a statement detailing the autopsy report for Mr. West's death. It read, Mr. West's death was from cardiac arrhythmia due to a cardiac conduction system abnormality, complicated by dehydration during police restraint. The manner of death could not be determined because of an inability to determine the absolute relative contribution of each of the described factors. In the days and weeks after his death, there were no protests, no riots, no looting or shooting, no tear gas or broken windows. But there were silent vigils. Every day for what felt like an eternity, the community around Mr. West and his family would gather silently on the block where he died, light candles, and remember his life. I know this because I could see them from my front yard. I went to the first two or three vigils, but no more. I didn't know the man. He was an unarmed black man who I had failed. I didn't help, I didn't get video, and I did nothing to stop what happened. Every vigil was just a reminder of my own failings. Though he may have been a private citizen before his death, the media quickly made his identity public, and he was tried in the public court of law. Mr. West, a 44-year-old African-American man, died in an altercation with police. Mr. West had an extensive criminal history, including assault, resisting arrest, attempted murder, and was at the time on parole. He was quickly found guilty. Despite this, there was still a sham investigation that had to occur. So one day, an unmarked car arrives at my house two men investigating the death of Mr. West, and they want to know what happened. It was simple to me. He was killed by some cops who had stopped him at a traffic sign. But that wasn't enough. They wanted an interview. So we sat down, and they asked their questions. 
Where were you when this happened? What time was it when you first heard something? 5.30 or 5.45? What did you do next? Who did you see first? What did he look like? How many were there? How many individuals were Morgan State officers? How many were cops from Baltimore City Police Department? So you saw them hit him? Where? In the head? The stomach? Why didn't you call the police? Yes. He asked me that. Why didn't you call the police? It was at that moment I realized what was happening. They were using my inability to remember the smallest of details to discredit my story as a whole. All officers involved in the case were exonerated of any wrongdoing after multiple internal and external investigations. Tyrone West is seldom brought up anymore when we do talk about unarmed black men being killed, but he's all I think about. He may not have been the squeaky clean case, the law-abiding citizen who volunteers at your local church on weekends, but he was a man, a father, a son, and a human being whom I failed. Fast forward 18 months, and a man by the name of Freddie Gray dies in police custody. Huge protests break out in Baltimore, which sooner or later become violent. The iconic image of a burning CVS is put on display for the whole world to see. And now, five years later, the death of Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and many more lead to protests and riots we see throughout the nation. Why was there so much outrage in Baltimore in 2015 when the riots broke out? Why is there so much anger throughout the nation right now? Because of the stories you don't see on TV or social media. The stories that black and brown folks experience and live with for the rest of their lives, but the world never hears about. George Floyd is only one name in a long list of many other black men who have fallen victim to state-sponsored violence. He was not the first and will not be the last. But now that you know his story, what will you do to ensure it never happens again? There are many ways to help. Educate yourself, ally yourself with oppressed people, and speak up the next time you hear something from friends and family that just doesn't sound right. In addition to this, you can give your time and resources to organizations working to upend systemic racism on a daily basis. A link for ways to give will be in the show notes. Be safe. And if you haven't spoken out about what's happening, continue reading and thinking, but work to break your own silence. Thank you, and see you next time. This episode was in loving memory of Tyrone West. I would like to thank the Baltimore Block, the community around Tyrone West, and his immediate family who have not let him be forgotten by taking every Wednesday to seek justice for him and all other victims of police terrorism in Baltimore and beyond. A link to their organization will be in the show notes.